Welcome to our podcast series, BS on Aerospace and Defense. I'm Pat Hindle, Media Director for Microwave Journal and Signal Integrity Journal, and I am joined by our hosts, Brian Goldstein, President, Analog Devices Federal, and Vice President of Aerospace and Defense Group at Analog Devices, and Sean Darcy, Director, Aerospace and Defense at BAE. Welcome, guys. Thank you, Pat. Hey, Pat. So in this episode, I thought we would address the new space market as we covered semiconductor technology and supply in our first episode. And so off with our second episode, we'll explore the new space market. Sean, why don't you kick us off? Sure. Thank you, uh, Pat. Appreciate it. And uh, I'll be uh, asking a lot of questions today because my title is a lot shorter than Brian's is. His only <laughs> takes five minutes to talk about it, where mine only takes about 30 seconds. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the new space market and uh, some of the challenges there. So first off, we'd like to ask Brian a couple questions about, you know, how you're approaching the new space market. You know, what kind of challenges are actually happening in this market space that you'd want the uh, the listeners to hear and understand more about? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great question. We've been working with customers for a number of years who have the challenge of needing to spend send a larger quantity of satellites to space in a much faster rate of time while also dramatically lowering the cost. And so none of those things jive when you think about space in general. When you think about space, you think about long lead times, you think about very expensive parts, you think a lot, you think about um, very specialized parts that need to survive in space for a very long time. 20-year development cycles. And very long development cycles, very expensive development cycles. And so also not a lot of willing to take a lot of risk in terms of technology because, you know, this stuff has to work the first time. But now they want to take advantage of some of the latest technologies. The missions are such that they're shorter. A lot of them are in LEO, low Earth orbit constella- uh, uh, constellations, as opposed to um, you know, geo. geo, geosynchronous, or MEO. And, or MEO. and so the radiation, the radiation levels are lower. And so this brings into a play a lot of technologies that we couldn't bring into play in, a, in the past. Things like 65 nanometer silicon would never pass radiation. Oh, yeah. no, never. Now 65, 28 nanometer all come to the table and, and, and work at low Earth orbit. And so we're able to really bring our latest technologies, but we're also even more importantly, we're able to bring their plastic packages. And we're able to work with our commercial products and maybe perhaps do a little bit of upscreening depending on the mission life. And we're able to take products to production much faster and be at a much lower cost. No, that, that's actually really true. So do you, do you see the same type of uptake at all, you know, for um, is this the same thing you're seeing across just the U.S. markets, commercial markets, or are people like you see NASA or anybody moving into that? Yeah, so it's 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 being driven. It's being driven first by the commercial guys that are willing to be a little bit more creative, a little bit more radical. Yeah. um, Because they need to be, you know, the price points that these satellites need to be at in order to justify their business models is very, very low. Now, the cost of the launches coming down dramatically helps in the overall mission cost. But at the end of the day, these satellites, they need to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, not hundreds of millions of dollars. And so it started in the commercial. They started to take the risks. They started to actually put satellites into space mm-hmm. and actually started to um, see that they were surviving, at mm-hmm. least 
you know, to the levels that they needed them to and the timeframes that they needed them to. And so now I can tell you that the government side is taking notice because they've got the same problems. They got limited oh, yeah. funding. They don't have 10 years to wait for a satellite to be developed, especially on the military side with this, um, with what's going on in the world and wanting to be able to have the situational awareness and put satellites in particular places very quickly. They are starting to really wake up to what's going on on the commercial side. No, true. And, uh, you know, I think we've, we've been seeing that, you know, and, and it's almost something that's kind of leading the rest of the military and the DOD market, right? These, these fast time to market, sure development cycles. So something you guys also have been doing is you've been leading a lot on what you call commercial space. Um, one of the things we've seen is a lot of phased array, uh, you know, become not just a luxury, but something that's actually required. So, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about this in the past. So what's a little bit more about what you're doing on things that I think you call a BFIC, which I always have to be careful not to swear when I say that. So I'll turn that. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. So, you know, so phased array is, is really interesting because it's interesting to us because the volumes of electronics are so high. And so from going from a, an individual dish antenna, with, which has one transmit, and one receive channel, now you're talking about beamformers, uh, beamformer ICs, TR modules, power amplifiers, low noise amplifiers, the amount of, the amount of electronics is, is magnitudes above what they were for a, for a, a standard communication satellite. Um, but again, the costs need to come down. And so in working with our customers, we're finding, depending on the mission, the reliability required and the, and the um, screening that's required is is all over the place. Yeah. And yeah. there and there hasn't been a real standard other than pure space class K. You know, there hasn't been a real definition of what's needed on this on these lower costs. And so we've leaned forward yeah. and we've developed two standard flows of our own uh, commercial space low and commercial space high. And so basically what we're saying is we don't recommend that you just take parts out of the catalog and put them in space mm -hmm. because it's important to know what the semiconductor foundry technology is inside to know how well it's going to work uh, with radiation. Um, but we do know what's inside of our parts. And right. so we are, we are taking products that are able to withstand some level of radiation and we are putting them through smaller screening flows than the typical uh, QMLV uh, products for pure space. And so commercial space low is essentially basically a commercial product that we've guaranteed gold bond wires. We've guaranteed palladium gold plating on the package. We've guaranteed a single lot of dye. We guaranteed traceability on the dye. But that's about it. And there's some amount of radiation qualification. Now, commercial space high is basically following the QMLV flow, but it's putting non-hermetic plastic products that could be very expensive to translate mm -hmm. into a hermetic package. Right. So we're taking plastic parts, putting them through the official space flow, but putting them in space in their plastic package much faster because, again, it's still a commercial product but still guaranteeing that reliability because we've gone through the quality flow. So I think it's, it's probably kind of important to note that working with customers and in industry, 
you and, and we as, as kind of partners drove a standard where one didn't exist, right? We This is not something that was flowed down. It's a little bit different for our industry, right? Oh, exactly. We, we and, always and, had to make this crap up as we went along. It's, it's, really, it's really hard because we're used to, exactly, we're used to being, here's the spec, here's the flow, yep. meet it, and everybody does it the same way. But because this is so new and so radical, there is no standardization. Sure. So we defined it. Right. And so you should be asking me, I don't know why you haven't asked me this. That's right. How is how are the customers accepting it? And well, I, I didn't want to <laughs> say yeah, you know, so, yeah. So are you interviewing me or am I interviewing That's you? That's right. So we're gonna switch roles here. No. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, our customers are accepting it because they're right. they are looking for the right answer, and the right answer is what's available. And so right. it's kind of a chicken and the egg. And so the first one there with a the flow may be good enough. And that's kind of where we're getting to is that we've worked with a lot of customers. We didn't invent these flows. We took a survey of lots of customers and we put our line yeah. in our sand ourselves. Sure. And, it, and, and, the, and the pickup seems to be good. We still do custom work aside from that. But the pickup of having these standard products, which I can then put into inventory, yeah. is, is making a difference. So, so one of the, the, the ones I want to throw over the wall to you is, is how much of the fact that you're getting these products to market so much faster, how much does that play in this, right? You know, sometimes it's taken us five, six years to qualify some space parts. Now you're taking how long, would you say? Oh, we're talking about months. Yeah. We're talking about months now. First, the inventory is low enough cost that you can actually keep it in inventory. That's right. That's right. You know, when you have pure class K parts that you're selling for thousands of dollars, you don't even want to keep them in inventory, right. especially when customers are going to come back and buy them every two, three, five years. But now when you're basically taking a, a, a reel of commercial products, they're already in inventory. So the, the ability to take those and then screen them, now the screening process is much, much quicker. We're talking about months instead of instead of years and so the inventory is the key part we can keep the inventory of the commercial parts but we can also keep inventory of the screen parts and so that's allow our customers to prototype much faster mm -hmm. they can prototype with the pure commercial parts right. but right. now they can actually prototype with the screen parts they used to just prototype with the commercial and then even have you put it in a different package to make oh, it yeah. hermetic and then they would have to start over again once you created yeah, the real the parts. Huh. You'd have to spin the board again. Yeah, yeah. But now the space product and the commercial product are the same footprint. They're right. actually the same product. And so the prototyping they do with the commercial parts that are readily available right. um, allow them to go to production much more quickly. Now, that's probably, from my view, one of the biggest advantages of the commercial space line. So so one of the things back on the standards, right? What do you do you see the standards ever being adopted across the industry or where do you see these standards going? Right. We have we have different people creating them. So what's your thoughts there? Yeah. And how does somebody as me from the other side of industry? actually be able to put those parts on the same board we have slightly different standards yeah it's a, it's a it, it it kind of falls into the same uh situation as the ep enhanced plastic portfolios where adi had a version uh other competitors had their own version right. and um it, 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 even in those it's not an industry flow but they're trying to meet avionics standard or or a military a missile yeah. standard um, so it's the same thing here. We would love to see a standard. We would love to see that standard flow from what we're already doing. Um, I think what will happen is I think while every company may not call it the same thing, I think the flows will will come down to a very similar set of steps. 
okay. to release these products for space. Mm, very good. But time will time will tell. Excellent. So, um, so you jumped ahead of the question I had about what's the acceptance on this, but. Um, so do you, do you actually, how far do you think this goes? Is there a point when we don't see full space qualified parts anymore? And is this something where we'll see a change in shielding? Do we see, you know, various types of incantations? Um, and, you know, and maybe just talk more about the RF and, and microwave type parts, maybe some transceivers and converters. Um, and then, you know, what, what's your thoughts about what they touch? Things like yeah. FPGAs and the backside of that, right? Yeah, it's really interesting. So I come from the microwave world, and starting at gallium arsenide, radiation was never a problem. Gallium arsenide is inherently radiation tolerant. So we never had a problem when we would release uh, pure gallium arsenide. But more of the uh, microwave is going to silicon, mm -hmm. uh, silicon on insulator, silicon germanium. And then the high-speed converters are on silicon, 65 nanometer, 28 nanometer, ultimately 16, going to 5 nanometer. So... Your question around will the will the fully space qualified products go away? The answer is no. We don't see those going away. There are still going to be missions, deep space missions, where lifetime is required for over 30 years. Being hermetic, being fully qualified is the right thing to do because you are going to have these hundreds of million dollar satellites that you do not want a single component dying. Mm -hmm. um, I fully agree. But... We also see that as data is being taken of these real constellations that are up there, as we get that comfort and we get that real data, I think more and more applications will be comfortable, become comfortable with these commercially space qualified products. No, so, Sean, you, you've asked me an awful lot of questions. Let me, let right. me, let me ask you a qu question because I know that you are an astrophysicist at heart. <laughs> So, yeah, so what is it about so. what is it about these semiconductor geometries? I talked about sixty-five nanometer, twenty-eight nanometer, and beyond. What is it about these geometries that make them prone uh, to radiation uh, tolerance or not? So, there's there's a lot of complexities there, right? But anything, especially, it has transistors, right? When you have transistor and transistor spacing, right? It's a, it basically comes down, and there's a lot of complexities to it. But it's amount of energy that actually is dissipated. Right now, you can as people go back, and I want to time to explain all of this. Right, is as you harden components, right? You sometimes physically radiation harden them. The transistor gets annealed, right? And so there's a lot of this when you get down to smaller geometries and smaller process flows, and it's not always true, right? Or once in a while you get down to a certain uh, geometry or process where, depending on the radiation, right, if it's heavy ions, certain particles, it may not make a difference. But a lot of times in Leo because of the smaller geometry and the smaller transition transistor distances, now you have less susceptibility to radiation. So there you go. Thank you, Mr. Whoopi. I just made that up, by the way. So um, no. <laughs> so let's go back to some other questions here. So, um, but, you know, there, and there's some really other, there's other, a lot of complexities to that answer, right? That question actually come down to actually, uh, actually geometry and physical spacing of the way that actually the high energy particle passes through, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but so let's look at um, another question here is um, one of the biggest challenges in space has always been the manufacturing flows that go along with that, right? Those can, those can take the, the time to design something, a component or even a board from days to years, right? We've actually seen some space programs that have gone on 20, 25 years before they launched, right? 
So tell me a little bit about my, what you've done on the manufacturing side to change that. Yeah, I, I can tell you, you know, historically doing during the do, doing the pure space flow, we actually take the products offline, mm -hmm. off the commercial line. We have our own dedicated space line where we do all these steps. Mm -hmm. And so it's its own factory with its own set of scale. But now when we're talking about these commercial space products, where we're talking about taking the commercial products um, and doing a few extra steps to them, we're actually able to bring them back to our standard production line. Now yeah. we may have to, might have to add a few more tests and we might have to add a couple more steps to the process, but we are able to run them in sequence in series uh, with our standard space pro uh, standard products. commercial products. And so the scale oh, okay. is dramatically greater. So does that help drive down some of the cost? Oh, yeah. Um, the cost, I mean, the cost is really, um, it's really the cost of the standard product plus the cost of the uh, doing the extra steps. And then there's a yield that's associated with it. Because if there was no yield, mm -hmm. you might as well use the commercial product. Correct. But I don't know if a lot of people know this, but just because a product or a semiconductor is radiation tolerant, there are still lot to lot variations at the wafer level. Mm -hmm that could have bad lots of wafers. And so right. you could pick up one commercial reel and have it pass radiation. Mm -hmm. You pick up another reel of those same parts and they could fail. Right. So we take that burden on in our commercial space line where that yield is part of our process and products that don't meet radiation don't go into the commercial space customer's hands. And so we have to deal with that yield, but that's part of why you want us to do it no, because you don't have to deal with it in your board at your board level. So let's switch subjects uh, or switch a little bit of the topic here. So talk a bit about some of the GAN technology you would actually have in this, right? Um, it, it's, we, we have these magic words in our industry. We talk gas, GAN, SIGI, everything else. So, so GAN technology, you know, what, what, what drives that? Why is it so important mainly in space, but also the rest of the industry? Yeah. Let's just talk about GAN. So GAN, Gallium nitride on silicon carbide in particular, mm -hmm. um, we are developing RF power amplifiers yeah. anywhere from, you know, low gigahertz, L-band, S-band, all the way up beyond KA-band. Um, we are able to do very high power density. We're able mm -hmm. to do power levels that are as higher, as higher, higher than gallium arsenide in a smaller footprint. And at much higher junction temperatures, which means that cooling them is much less of a problem than it is with gallium arsenide. So you can run higher power densities. The reliability is better. The efficiency is better. Um, but you can get very similar um, other electrical performances right. like noise figure and gain and those other uh, products. So GAN going to space is an, there's obvious benefits. When right. you're talking about size, weight, power, efficiency, being able to put a product, power amplifiers draw, you know, I was talking to a customer yesterday, when they talk about processing power and how much it takes mm -hmm. to do their processing, what they have to trade it off with is the power that's in their transmitter. Correct. And so that's the trade-off. Right. So the more efficient you can make your processor, then the more power you can give to your power amplifiers, which is more distance mm -hmm. that you can travel, or... The more efficient your amplifier, the more processing power you can put 
in your in your satellite. And so it's important that these things be both small but incredibly efficient, as well as being reliable. And that's why GAN's important. No, that's good. And something I'll add in here is that the efficiency becomes critical in space, right? We have we have no convection. It's all conduction, then we have to radiate heat off board many, many times. So so are you allowed to share what some of the efficiencies are of the GANs? Yeah. That, that becomes really important it's, it's a, because it's a good point for you, right? And, and that is. I mean, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to develop products, you know, and again, the, the, the efficiency depends on the the uh, bandwidth and the yep. power right, and the voltage right, right. you're running at. But certainly we want amplifiers that are in the, you know, the 40 and 50 percent efficiency ranges as opposed to the 20s and 30s. <laughs> um, so that that's Shangri-La. And so that's what we're that's what we're typically able to achieve. But, but I, li I like the ones that are 20% efficient because they heat my coffee. Yeah. That's what I use for my coffee heaters, man. <laughs> so, so no, but that that's that actually I think is a real critical point, right? One of the, the biggest challenges has been with a lot of H, you know, HPAs is how do we actually get the heat off board, right? So the better, more efficiency you can prove, provide to the rest of the industry. Um, like you said, it's not just even power, but thermal management becomes so, so difficult. Yeah, and, and gallium nitride, I, I don't think we stated, but gallium nitride, um, has been qualified for space. The radiation testing has been done, mm -hmm. and and it does well. And so it, it is it is a product that's that's meant to fly in space. You know, if you look at the power levels needed by the phased array antennas, may not require gallium nitride. You could probably yep. live in many cases with gallium arsenide. Right. But for the advantages we talked about in terms of efficiency and size and oh, reliability, yeah. uh, more and more we're starting to see it go to space. Oh, definitely. So I guess the, the one other thing to maybe get throw both of our opinions out here is is where do we, we see, with all these constellations we're seeing go up on orbit, right? Um, where does this go in the next five years? I mean, you know, I, I've always been kind of wondering when this stops, right? You know, there's a big, huge spike, a lot of demand in this market. But where do you, where do you see it going, Brian? Yeah, I, 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 see, I see it doing nothing but increasing over the next decade. You know, over the next five years, we think that seven, eight thousand uh, launches will happen. We think twelve thousand launches over the next decade, being driven by these Leo low Earth orbit constellations. Um, but this business is exciting because of its volume. Um, we'll see who the winners are mm -hmm. in these constellations. That's still left to be played. There's only one guy up there so far, but there's a handful that are right on their heels. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how many players there are. Um, so the volumes are really interesting. Um, the upgrades that are constantly going to be happening because of the low cost of launch, upgrades to these constellations could be happening on a regular basis, so that's constant business. And then there's repair and there's uh, sustaining efforts of taking care of these satellites as they do go offline. Um, so there's a very large sustainable business that's just getting started that we don't see an end of the acceleration through a decade. Okay. So if you ask me to predict what happens after a decade, I'm not going to. That's okay. I'll, I'll let you do that. I will. I'll make up. Right. I'll make up some answer. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So besides, you know, we've talked about some of the GAN amplifiers, right? You've got uh, some converters qualified. What, what other things do you do in space? Do you do anything on the power side? Do you do anything on solar array management. What about, you know, you've got some amazing high-speed converter products. Yeah. So where are those going? Yeah. So we're, we're all over, we're all over the satellite 
you know, we're you talked a lot about the phased array antenna. We we like the phased array antenna because it's oh, got a, sure. it's yeah, got a lot yeah. of electronics and it's got a lot of expensive electronics. It's got high value high value electronics from from the beamformer ICs to the power amplifier. Right. These are some of the more expensive RF components, mm-hmm. yep. and so um, we like that and we like the volumes. Um, on the processor side, after you've after you've come down in frequency, you feed into the high speed converter, mm-hmm. and so we have. We're releasing a, a a number of highly integrated transceiver uh, converters, transmit receivers, wideband and narrowband uh, devices that are on 28 nanometers and 16 yeah. nanometers uh, that we are qualifying in our commercial space flow. Yeah. Um, so those are dramatically uh, changing the market in terms of uh, bandwidth. Um, we also have the power solutions uh that's a big deal as well and the battery management from the work that we're doing in electric vehicles um yeah. all applies and translate to what's yeah, going on on the satellites as well so yeah we we uh there's a lot of excitement for us on satellites as well as the rocket and the guidance systems as well for us mm, very good very good so I guess I'll, I'll ask one more final question in my interrogation here, as we're calling it, right? <laughs> so one of the things I'd like to, to, to think more about, right, you and I have both been in the semiconductor and electronics defense industry for a long time. Um, we're always challenged a bit that our volumes are a bit lower, right, as opposed to um, you know, the, 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 cons- the consumer side and other sides. Um, just, you know, a huge amount of products compared to what you sometimes do. So how do you guys deal with that, right? So it even gets worse in, worse in space, right? Space is probably one of the lower volumes. What do you, what do, you do to deal with that? Yeah, I'd say one of the one of the that's why this commercial this commercial element is so important because we're we've always built off of our portfolio, even the products that we would we, we didn't do an awful lot of custom work for space other than packaging and screening. Mm-hmm. Our whole portfolio was built off of our commercial semiconductors, but repackaging and hermetic packages and doing all that screening and testing, x-ray, bond pull, um, it becomes a business that's not scalable because it's so manually intensive. And even if you're doing the same product over again, if a different customer wants different screening, different testing, it's like starting all over again. And so it's very difficult to scale. What we're doing is we're now getting our customers to buy our commercial products and we qualify them in a couple of standard flows and the scale is, I mean, it's just dramatic. And so we're able to lower our lead times. We're able to get ahead of our customers' needs. We're able to put um, inventory so that there's parts available for sampling and there's even production available in months instead of years. Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I think, uh, Pat, I'm going to throw it back over to you. I think I, uh, I've got Brian connected up to the lie detector machine and everything else. And so far, I'll tell everybody who's listening, he passed. I mean, he didn't hear the alarm go off. So I, I think with that, I'll throw it back over to you. I guess he feels comfortable telling the truth around you, which I didn't think I he hope did. so. <laughs> Thanks, Brian and Sean, for your insights into the new space market. If our listeners have any topics that they'd like us to cover or have any comments, just email me at phindle at mwjournal.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and keep an eye out for our next episode in about a month from now.